Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On3. And Jerry, one thing I want to hit on just right away, if people haven't seen it, Bobby posted an article, or I guess a, a little article, sorry, whatever you want to call it, over on Inside Texas about Quinn Ewers and said 90% chance of coming back. I mean, that's huge news for Texas fans, but I want to get your take on it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, I think things are moving in that direction. I think they, the reasons uh, the source uh, told Bobby that uh, he laid out in that article uh, are, are very interesting and some things that we're starting to hear um, is that there's there's a thought that uh, third-year quarterbacks, kind of the ticket in college football, um, and, and really more the preparation uh, for the NFL, um, if you look at the history of it. Uh, there's that and that extra year of frame development to get stronger, to get your body prepared, um, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, continuing to uh, get uh, uh, more experience, not only in game, but as a leader, um, being a would be a second year as a leader in a program at a power five program that's ranked in the top 10 in the country. So you add all those things together um, and maybe a favorable, more favorable quarterback draft next year. Uh, in some ways as well. So you add all those things together um, and, and Bobby put it at 90% that, as of today, and we'll see where it goes. I, I think, uh, you know, you get your feedback on with the draft, uh, you go through all that process, but uh, I, I would think there's a, uh, <clears throat> the, the likelihood's getting higher and higher. Definitely. So the other thing, of course, Sark with the press conference yesterday morning, I had a lot to say. What were some of your key takeaways from that press conference? I, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Rod Babers and I talked about it on Talking Ball, um, uh, which is on on Texas Football YouTube channel. Obviously, I thought what was interesting was you know Sark kind of talking about needing to be more aggressive in the play calls on defense when asked about giving up passing yardage. Uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, response because he kind of mentioned that with the uh, maybe the play calls, maybe the players. He mentioned the one play, Savion Williams caught the ball on the slant. Ended up turning into a big play, going down the field, hurtling a Texas defender. And he said, I'm not sure we'd have got him in flag football. Um, and, and he was talking about he wasn't calling out the players. He just wants the guys to be more aggressive, maybe more aggressive with the play calls, maybe more aggressive uh, it, it, as far as the defensive backs go. So I thought that was interesting. Um, well, there was no mention of Keelan Robinson yesterday, but I, but I can say that um, – uh, Bobby, Bobby also heard um, and, and relayed this. Jalen Catalan and Keelan Robinson practiced on Monday. So people, a lot of people have been asking about Jalen Catalan. He did practice. Keelan Robinson did practice on Monday. So we still haven't heard why he didn't play on Saturday, but he was back on the practice field uh, Monday. And then the other thing I want to touch on before we get to all these questions, and there's already pl- plenty of them <laughs> piling in, and you got plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. But, man, you were up early this morning. You <laughs> headed out to Dripping Springs before the sun even came up. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your trip. Yeah, I just said, you know, I went out there. Um, I'm on the road a little bit this week in San Antonio, uh, Hill Country area, uh, seeing some seeing some uh, top prospects. And um, uh, I wanted to take a look at Jacob Ponton, the uh, 2024 offensive tackle committed to Texas Tech. Uh, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's, he was 6'6 and a half, 240 last year. He's six almost 6'7", 270 now, 81-inch wingspan, um, become a really physical football player. He was a JV defensive lineman as a sophomore and has really been a late developer in the game, 
um, getting serious about the game. And now his upside is really starting to show not dissimilar, different, but not dissimilar from Trevor Goosby as far as the growth in the game of football. Uh, obviously, Trevor had played a lot of basketball, but uh, Jacob Ponton's an interesting interesting prospect. Committed to Texas Tech, but Texas remains in contact with him. Uh, they also have some other they, – they have a pretty good – Dripping Springs pretty good team over there. I mean, they they got a linebacker that will probably end up at San Diego State. Uh, they got some young kids that are uh, really good baseball players that play football as well. They had a junior quarterback whose uh, parents were both track athletes at Texas A&M. So, uh, interesting. But I went over there to take a look at Ponton and uh, just to get a close look at him and see what he looks like. He moves very fluidly, can really bend. And he's an aggressive kid on contact. Uh, and that frame is going to be 315, 320 pounds one day. Blake's muted. Yeah, I just realized that. We have a question from Nick Ramos regarding Ponton. He says, does he have an offer yet? Not just, not yet. I mean, I think Texas is, you know, what we had talked about, what I talked about was if DeAndre Carter stuck with Auburn, yes, Dripping Springs plays Converse Judson at Judson. They lost a flip uh, at that game. The winner of that game, by the way, will get either Harlem, who's putting up huge numbers. I'm trying to think of who the other team is that they'd play. Um, but, uh uh, maybe San Antonio J. Um, but uh, yeah, no, te Texas, what I mentioned before is if, if DeAndre Carter stuck with Auburn, it looks like that's happening. Texas would take a look at some tackles late in this class if they thought there was a need. It's not for sure they're going to go on somebody, but they're going to evaluate that position. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. They're taking a look at Pont and uh, a couple other guys. So uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll have more on that in the coming days. And then the other big news yesterday was Harlem Berry set a decision date. We got lots of questions regarding that, Jerry. I'm going to go ahead and let you answer that. Champ Bailey 3 says, what are the chances for Harlem Berry? And then we'll get to the second part in a minute. But is it too early for 25 recruits to commit? Look, I think this this one's been down. I, I went to see Harlem Berry. I believe it was August. I lose track of time at this point, man. Um, but it, it, it was pretty much LSU childhood dream. It's where he's always loved. Texas, short choice, Texas uh, scheme. He was at the June 3rd elite camp when K.J. Lacey committed to Texas. And there was Florida because of Jabbar Jalouk is his uncle, the running back coach at Florida. Obviously, Corey Raymond also recruits Louisiana, Billy Napier. Florida's a tough one. I think LSU's a heavy favorite right now. I think there's a lot of confidence on the LSU side. Um, obviously, if he goes the LSU's way, Texas, uh, you know, top two backs entering the season in that 25 class, Jordan Davison out of modern day, who Texas still in a really good spot for. Very similar to Christian Clark in terms of his skill set. May not be as violent of a cutter, but frame skill set. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, – but Harlan Berry, I think, is an LSU lean for sure. And then the second part of that question, Jerry, was, do you, in your opinion, is it too early for 2025 recruits to commit? Not if you absolutely know where you're going, right? I mean, if if you commit, it's, look, it's in the it's in the junior season. We're not that far off from the junior days in January that Texas will have, and a lot of kids will wait and take those official visits um, and go through the June process and commit in July. But look, if you're locked in and 100% know where you're going. Um, then, I mean, it, it's never too early as long as you're 100%. But there's not all commitments are the same. There's been a couple of commitments in that 2025 class uh, that are not as likely to stick. Uh, and then let's get an update. Jerry, this comment from Silver Fox says, Derek Williams and Xavier <laughs> Philstein are going to be a great safety duo in the SEC. What's the latest on Philstein? 
Yeah, latest on Phil Same. Talked to somebody close to that recruitment on Monday. Um, I, I think the thing there is he's scheduled, currently scheduled to be at the Florida game uh, for the rivalry game against FSU. But if McKinney beats Highland Park in the playoffs this week, then they play either next Friday or Saturday. So he won't be able to make that trip. The interesting thing there is if McKinney were to play on a Saturday, you know, I mean, could Texas get him down for the Tech game? I don't know. But the whole thing is there is Blake getting continues to stay in contact with Xavier Phil saying the next part of that process with Texas will be, and this is absolutely the key, is the father and the kid making a uh, unofficial visit to Texas. I mean, and we'll see what happens there, but uh, Texas is still pushing in that direction. Uh, we got a super chat from UT boy. He says, Jerry Hamilton, hook him. Thank you. Hook him, UT boy. <laughs> All right. Then we have another super chat here uh, from Bomb City Blue Jay. And he says, in my opinion, Arch transfers if Quinn stays. What do you think about that? You know, I'm not there. Uh, I, I'm not there. Um, I think uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that's necessarily what I'd predict right now. Right, then one other super chat we're going to go ahead and knock out of the way from Archmania. Thank you, Archmania. He says, looking at the Big 12 championship playoff scenarios, this game is almost do or die for Texas. Win, we're in. Lose, we're out. Or aren't we out due to win and loss head to head? Yeah, there's so many there's so many things that are going on with that right now, right? Oklahoma State wins out there in. Texas wins out there in. They, the only two teams that control their destiny – or Oklahoma State um, and, and Texas. What, where it gets interesting is if Texas were to drop a game and Oklahoma wins out, right? I mean, but can't, does Kansas State beat Kansas? I expect they will. And then Iowa State at home to end the regular season. So we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, there'd be a lot of – you get into the head-to-heads and then overall records, and you get in a lot of the Big 12 tiebreakers. But, uh, yeah, I think – look, Texas needs to win the next two games. Uh, they need to win the next two games for a multitude of reasons to punch their own ticket to the Big 12 championship and not have to worry about tiebreakers, um, and, and then to stay in the hunt in the college football playoff poll because people are going to lose in November. I mean, Oregon State has has Washington at home this week, and then they go to Oregon. I bet Oregon State clips one of those teams. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win at Oregon. I bet they clip one of those two, those two teams. Though. They, Oregon State's a good football team. It's playing really well. Obviously, Michigan, Ohio State play. Georgia's probably is going to have to play Alabama. They are going to have to play Alabama in the SEC championship game. So there's a lot of football left to be played. So for a multitude of reasons, you you want to get to 11 and one. The way this season's going, you know, a lot of us predict predicted 10 and two. Except Drew Kelson, who will be joined by here in a few minutes. Drew will come on and give his thoughts on the Longhorns. Uh, we should do that right after the Manscaped read, so he's cracking up, by the way. Um, because, hey, look, Man- Manscaped's here. Manscaped goes on the road now. There's uh, Nobody should doubt that Manscaped on the ro- goes on the road. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens. But Texas needs to win out. I mean, they need to win out. They're favored for a reason in these games. They need to go play good football. They need to go dominate the line of scrimmage against Iowa State this weekend, and Iowa State will struggle to score uh, if Texas does that. And then Texas just doesn't – they need to be – they don't need to turn the ball over this weekend. Uh, they got to have a clean game on the road against a really good defensive coordinator. All right, Jerry, let's do, let's go back to some recruiting and actually over to basketball recruiting for a yeah. second. Gavin Vaughn <laughs> says, Jerry, isn't Trey Johnson supposed to commit within 48 hours? And is it still trending that way? And what's the latest? I mean, I look, I, I feel good about where Texas is at. Um, and I, and I've continued to say, I think there was a good chance that, uh, 
Uh, he commits in the early window, which closes at the end of the day or end of the day on Wednesday, the 15th. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense uh, to get this out of the way. He can, he, he in this playing in the state of Missouri, he can, uh, he can collect NIL money as long as he's got scholarship papers. So, and I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense for Trey. I, there's not many guys that wait until the spring now. Um, you know, if you know where you're going and, uh, you know, NIL is a factor in all this and, um, and, and you know where you want to be. Um, I, I think that'll be interesting with Trey's decision. Um, I think uh, I, I just remember when I got sent that photo of him and Arch Manning on his official visit in late August. He went over to the football facility and spent 30 minutes talking Texas football with Steve Sarkeesian. Met Arch. Uh, he is – he likes Texas, guys. And then, uh, well, let's go back to football recruiting now. Antoine says, Jerry, what's the status of Texas recruiting Kelshawn Johnson and Emmanuel Choice? Uh, Texas is looking at, at Emmanuel Choice, obviously, junior year evaluation. Uh, I love his upside, guys. He's at Lancaster. 6'5", about 185, but a, a, a twitched-up guy, um, not even a long strider. I mean, he is a he's a hurdler. Uh, he is a 110 hurdler. They expect to go low 14s this year as a junior at 6'5", 180, 185. I, I, I like both these guys. Kelshawn Johnson has real speed, guys. I mean, he ran 10'49". It was downwind. So let's just say he was hot, t- a 10'6 kid as a sophomore. And, and I'm just here to tell you, I was at Hitchcock game a few weeks ago, and God, they got upset in the first round of playoffs. That That's surprising. They had some injuries. Kelshawn was one of those with a high ankle sprain. But uh, this kid, once he really locks in, I think he can be a 10-2, 10-300-meter guy. That's what I was told. I mean, he's just now focusing and understanding how fast of an athlete he can be. And he's a guy that will take some time. He reminds me of a South Florida Sunshine State athlete and that he's at a smaller school and he goes from football to basketball to track. So he just goes from sport to sport to sport. His frame hadn't even started developing yet. I'm a big fan of this kid. You're blood. Yeah. No, sorry. This next question here, Jerry's from Just the Dude. He says, "Have you heard of a recruit named Keyshawn Walls, the running back out of Hooks?" You know, I need to go look at that. That's a good question. Let me let me take a look at that for you uh, because uh, they are obviously they are obviously got some dudes on that team. All right, we'll come back to that one. And then uh, Jose Rodriguez wants to know who's the top player on defense in the twenty-five class, and are we recruiting that player? You mean top guy in the country? Um, boy, uh, you know, we'll see on that. I, I think the the top players, um, and I'm not saying he's going to be the highest ranked guy, obviously. Um, I, Zion Williams at Lufkin is a guy to, is a guy to watch, man. Uh, by the way, Keyshawn Walls, uh, I watched Huddle on him earlier. It was familiar. I knew it's familiar. Arkansas State, Louisiana Monroe, Texas State, UNLV, some of the offers he has. Um, those were all from the spring. Be interesting to see, um, uh, you know, where that goes for him. Uh, so we shall, we shall, uh, we shall see on that. But the top twenty-five defensive prospects. I, I mean, look nationally where guys are ranked. You know, that's all going to change a little bit. But I think, look, I'll say this: defensive line is going to be really big because in state there's some really good players: Zion Williams at Lufkin, Dylan Battle, Mansfield, Timberview. But I'm here to tell you, Brandon Brown, the D-Tackle galley. I don't care where he's ranked right now. There's a lot of similarities to Tommy Harris with this guy. 
Um, he's going to be as – I mean, the colleges are treating him like he is the top um, the top uh, defensive lineman uh, in the country, in their opinions, as a disruptive three-tech. So, Brandon Brown, Texas is offered. He's going to come on campus at some point. That's a name to remember. Uh, William Neesh wants to know, is there any concern with Brandon Baker and Nebraska? Uh, not that I've heard. Not that I've heard. Um, I, I've heard everything's good with uh, University of Texas and Brandon. Right, and then Colton wants to know, have you seen Tatum Bell Jr. at Heritage? I've not seen him yet, but I I, I do know that name. Uh, Dad was a tremendous runner at DeSoto and Oklahoma State. Okay, Jerry. I think that's it for the recruiting questions for right now. We do have a super chat that we're going to get to, and it's from Rudy Serta. And he says, Kenton, thank you, Rudy, by the way. Can a buyout like AM set the program back in IL wise or in general? No, I think it's going to motivate them once they make their hire. Uh, I, I think it's all going to be motivate. It's going to motivate uh, Texas AM uh, more so than ever. Look, they're making this move, I think, in part, uh, maybe in large part for the timing of it because Texas is ascending. Uh, Sark is ascending on the field. They're sitting there. They won at Alabama by 10. They're moving to the SEC next year. Uh, they've had back-to-back top five classes. Looks like they're headed for a third. Um, they're in the college football playoff hunt. They arch Mannings in Austin and all the, all the future NFL draft picks. They see what's going on. They know Texas is about to have eight, nine, ten guys drafted um, and could win the final Big 12 championship. And it, it looks like they're headed for a 10-win season. Um, been ranked in the top 10 of the polls all season long and have got a lot of national run under Steve Sarkeesian, and they're headed to the SEC, as is Oklahoma. And LSU is, is, is going to do very well under Brian Kelly. So Texas a and is kind of surrounded right now with their struggles by their the teams they recruit against the most are all ascending or playing at a high level. A&M had a window after that 9-1 and COVID year they beat, and beat Alabama. They had a window there to really become the cool school, as I like to say it, in recruiting. Uh, but those struggles subsequent to that really opened the door, and now Texas has busted through that door. Brian Kelly's busting through that door, even though he lost to A&M last year. He beat Alabama and went to the SEC title game in year one, something A&M hasn't done. Um, and, and then you have Oklahoma, who beat Texas this year and, and is ascended is ascending in year two under Brent Venable. So, but Texas really forced AM's hand. And I think that's going to motivate. I said all that to say this. I think it's going to motivate AM more in an aisle. Uh, we have another super chat from Just the Dude. Thank you, Just the Dude. And he says, Do we have a puncher's chance with linebacker Justin Williams? Um, you know, we'll see. The one thing, one thing where we're at now is. If Sark and Jeff Choate call Justin Williams, he's been picking up the phone for weeks. He hasn't picked up the phone for everybody that's called. I mean, so that's that's the thing. He's 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 watching Texas. He's picking up the phone. He doesn't return a lot of calls. He doesn't return a lot of texts. There's some other programs trying as well. I think he picks up the phone a little bit for Oregon. Uh, but I think if 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 for some reason, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, if for some reason it wasn't Georgia. I think Texas has, would be ahead of Oregon because it's close to home. Hi, Jerry. Real serious question right here uh, from Silver Fox. He no says, worries. what's your favorite Chick-fil-A sauces in overall order? He's hungry. Yeah, you know, look, man, I'm boring. I'm a 12-count nugget, barbecue, no meal, no fry. I got to get off the fries, dude. I'm, I'm fat daddy right now. Um, 
but uh, not not cycling anymore. So I gotta get I gotta get serious again. Uh, barbecue sauce, unsweet tea, kill me guys, kill me guys. I put a little splint in it. I don't go with sweet tea much anymore. I gotta stop at some point. It's getting ugly. <laughs> All right, this next question from Casey, also pretty serious. He says, "What's closer, the shape or manscape, or the winds we've gotten the past few weeks?" Um, yeah, I don't know if I can answer that. <laughs> All right, Jerry, we're gonna go back to recruiting for just a second because I did forget this one from earlier from Kelly Hyland. He says, "What's holding Kobe back, Kobe Black, back from committing slash signing?" Um, you know, look, I think there's a couple things here. Um, I, I think the playoff season, I think maybe in, in, within the Waco Connolly staff, they would like their more schools to come in, take a look at their kids, uh, wait until after the season's over since it's gone this long. And then what if you want your entire family there when you announce? Well, Corey Black is, is currently a cornerback at Oklahoma State. So um, I think we'll, uh, uh, we'll see if that plays a part in as far as having the entire family at a ceremony for Kobe because that – you know, that that is an issue for them with Corey being in Stillwater. Uh, obviously, that's had a lot of travel for the family this year, getting up to Stillwater and back uh, around the Waco Connolly football games. All right, guys, we got Drew Kelson coming up here in just a second. But before we do, Jerry, I'm going to let you make everybody's day by telling everybody about Manscaped. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's that time, guys. Look, it's that time. Are you ready to spice up your Thanksgiving as we dive headfast into the mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce? Let's talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season. That is the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right. It's time to go cold turkey on your old razor and take care of your own turkey leg with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com and use on Texas all caps for 20% off and free shipping and enjoy Thanksgiving in style with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Hey boys, gobble gobble, don't let your grooming be the topic of di of the dinner conversation this year with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. You'll be the talk of the table. manscape.com on Texas. All caps. Uh, all right. That's everybody's fan. I mean, people are, came into the chat earlier and said, have I missed Jerry's Manscaped preview? I mean, that was seriously a question a minute ago. I need to start doing two of them, one at the end, too. <laughs> all right. Well, with that said, I'm going to switch layouts here, and we're going to bring in Drew. And Drew, hard act to follow, I know, but how are you doing this morning? What kind of act is it to follow, Blake? Uh, <laughs> the Manscaped preview. That's a tough act to follow, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, gotta love Manscaped. <laughs> All right, Drew. Um, couple days, obviously, couple of days removed from TCU. Uh, you're awesome as always. Uh, one of the one of the favorites on on Texas football on the post game, and you were in the comment section during the game, which I thought was awesome. Uh, when when we were talking about when names changed and Andrew to Drew. Uh, but a couple of days removed, your thoughts. Looking back on Texas TCU as Texas heads into Ames, 9-1, and one, ranked 7 in the country, right where you want to be, right, Drew? It's right where you want to be, right? Yeah. Um, for me, yes, 9-1, and one, it's right where you want to be. Uh, I think we know who this team is, but this team is also, I mean, we're going to another week this week where uh, we, don't, we don't have our bell cow at running back. And so this is just another layer of figuring out who they are. 
uh, especially on the road at Iowa State. Um, it's it's one of those games where everyone would say or should say, hey, we should win, uh, even with the talent we have and even with some of the injuries and guys being banged up. So, uh, you know, there's some things we can take away from the TCU game that I think will carry over. And I think if Quinn is healthy and um, the weather holds up well up there, I, I feel good about what, we, what game plan we'll have coming up for this week. Yeah, I think it, it, uh, is this the most important week of offensive execution of the year, Drew, with Jonathan Brooks out, the true three high? The guy who brought the three high really to college football, and you know they're going to be disciplined in their three high. Is it is execution on offense? Is this the most important execution week? Well, probably since Alabama. Absolutely. I mean, you just you can't get behind on the road, uh, yep. and not not in that stadium, and not against that defense. Uh, one thing about that defense is it it can. I mean, it is a bend don't break defense, and so you, you're not going to get your big shots that put you back in the game if you do fall behind. Uh, so you definitely want to go out and execute and be efficient early. And I think uh, so. Coach Sark said it yesterday. Um, you got to be efficient because you also don't know how many plays you'll have in a game like this. Uh, it's, it's more of a ball control game. So, um, yeah, offensive execution this week is going to be critical. Yeah, and Drew, defensively, Texas, um, Iowa State not going to have the most talented or best offensive line Texas has faced, and. Young quarterback, obviously, first-year starter, was not going to be the starter without all the gambling issues at Iowa State. Uh, um, talk about the importance of owning the line of scrimmage from the start in Ames. Because I do think, look, the thing about Texas this year is we knew going into the season, Drew, defensive line was the strength of the team up the middle, right? The defensive line, Jalen Ford. And when you go on the road, you have to dominate. Those positions that you're supposed to win at, you have to dominate against opponents you're supposed to. No, absolutely. So, listen, I'm thinking back to the Baylor game on the road. Yes. Uh, the BYU game at home. When your defense, just more specifically, if your defense dominates in the trenches, your offense actually has an opportunity to struggle. Yep. So, uh, if the defense can show up, uh, the defensive line specifically can show up and own the line of scrimmage. Uh, I really think it allows us some, some just, it gives us some, some margin for error on offense as we try to figure things out or get things rolling. I mean, I expect Jaden blue is going to be getting carries. He hadn't gotten this yep. year. I'm excited about that. Um, Baxter is going to, you know, have to pick up being, being a bell cow and hopefully continue to fall forward and find some explosive plays too. So this is an exciting week for us on the offensive side but also know uh, there's some things we're just going to have to find our way through. So, yeah, defense, owning the trenches, uh, that, that's what we got to do this week. Hey, talk about Cedric Baxter because, look, he was a starter heading into the season. Then he gets hurt. Jonathan Brooks, uh, and I don't think – I think it was more of a 1A, 1B. I think there was a little chess involved there, like bringing in Brooks uh, after the defense had played a few snaps, right, and bringing in those fresh, experienced legs. But talk about now, Cedric Baxter is the starter. And he does have to take on a role that he hadn't been asked to do this year, even when he was a starting running back before injury. Talk about what you've seen from Baxter you like and some areas you think he's going to have to improve, get better at, not just even the rest of this year, but as his career moves forward. First of all, just physical specimen. This kid is – I mean, I, I went to a practice this past spring, and he walked by me. I'm like, dude, is he 19? Yeah. I mean, he's 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 a he's a body. He, he's a he's a grown man. And um, 
I want to see him continue to run behind his pads in that way. He's so athletic. And I think, I mean, it's one of those things you want to be able to balance at his sizes. Does he use his athleticism? You know, his he's, he's nimble. He, he can work around blocks. He can run around blocks. But with his size, uh, with his ability to be physical, um, I think leaning on and showing some power and exerting some force on opposing teams is, is something I think he can he can find some strength in coming into. Really, really it's what we need from him. Uh, we don't we can't expect that from Jaden Blue. Uh, we can't expect that really from anyone else that we think is going to, I mean, Keelan Robinson is not going to be physical. So I'd, I'd like to see him take on that physical presence. Uh, and he's the one that's going to weigh people down, but his physically he's great. I think seeing the game and seeing the holes and seeing things develop. I mean, that's still some things he's going to get better with, uh, but more than anything, uh, he has the tools to do it all uh, catch out of the backfield uh, and get physical and finish physical. Uh, so we just want to see him continue to do that. And he, we're definitely going to need him to bring that physicality this week. And by the way, one of the things that we got a couple of uh, viewer questions for you. One of the things Sark mentioned was how good he is in pass pro for a young back. And I think that's what vaulted him to have the ability to push for a starting role. He was so far ahead of the game with the understanding of the position and willingness to do it. And he picked it up so fast in the spring uh, to add to that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Blake, I know we got some questions for uh, uh, Drew used to be Andrew Kelson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. And uh, Zane Petty says, Drew, why did we give up all the passing yards in the fourth quarter to TCU? What would you do to fix those issues in the secondary? It's tough because um, I've I mean, I've, I've been in those games where the momentum shifts or they're going hurry up and you feel like you're on skates, you're trying to play catch up. They're subbing in and out. You're just trying to orient yourself. So there's a lot that goes into it and that there's a reason why it snowballs. It's, it's intentional. Uh, A team, an offensive team knows when they have you on your heels and that scheme at TCU, I mean, they take pride in, I mean, that's what they're going to do. Uh, They get a first down you better get ready for the hurry up. They're going to find a play or pull out a play that while you're scrambling mentally, trying to figure out where do I line up, they already have something schemed up that is going to violate the defense. And so it really came down to them. I mean, we don't do this enough on this show or anywhere else, but we do have to give TCU some credit for the way that they showed up and the way that they prepared. Um, But listen, Iowa State did this to us last year. Um, they start throwing the ball around. It looked like we had guys covered. Uh, and so even though Iowa State is not the team you assume can do that to you, this is another week where we, we I feel strong about what we can do in the run game. Uh, just hopefully we have the defense and protection um, on the passing game. Sorry, that we're, we're solid on the backside so that they just can't find chunk plays and give themselves opportunity to get back in it. And then we have another viewer question, Drew, from Corey J. And he says, how do you feel about the rotation of defensive backs throughout the game? Does it help more than it hurts? I don't think it hurts. Um, I do think, I I mean, I I think for the most part, most of these guys actually play to a good standard. Now, we do see that there are certain plays or certain players. There are certain types of plays that players don't play as well in. So some players players may not come up and fill in the run game as well. Some may may not be great in coverage. Uh, some may not be as disciplined with their eyes reading run pass and they get a step behind. Those are the kind of the gambles you take when you're playing 
rotating and playing certain players, but they all bring something different to the game. Um, and honestly, I, I had no faith in there being a rotation that we could work with or that could actually work, but this has gone on all season. And I know people get on the defensive backs uh, and more specifically the safeties, but at the end of the day, I, I think they played well for this defense. We still have a top defense in the country. <laughs> so yeah. um, it, it's kind of crazy when you think about it, because we're so critical and we look at every single down, but um you know, we, we've if, if we had a vulnerability, that's kind of where it was going to be this year, no matter what. Um, I drew Bobby Burton, uh, who uh, he, he will he'll be back in the morning, um, put an article out on Inside Tex Texas uh, this morning. He's hearing 90 percent chance right now. Quinn Ewers returns. Talk about if Quinn return the maturation of the quarterback. I mean, obviously, you're around Vince. You watch his maturation. Colt, right? Um, talk about that maturation and, and that what would it would mean to have the third year as a starting quarterback, in your opinion, at the college game? Because there's been the success rate of quarterbacks goes way up in year three. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it but before the, the I guess when you take a step back, let's look around the room. Let's look around the stadium. Yeah. And Quinn, you look in the mirror. Everyone's going to look around. Is Quinn ready to go to the next level? No, not not based on the standards he had leaving, uh, not based on the standards he anticipated leaving college. So I think it's best. I, I think you get a guy who is, is hungry, uh, his hungry. He knows what the opportunities are. This is a deep quarterback class and it's probably in his best interest, but in our best interest that he comes back because he's hungry. You have a second year of leadership. Um He's going to have to be a leader as we're rotating a lot of wide receivers out of the program this year. Uh, there's some guys who are going to go into the draft this year. So his leadership, his focus, um, he already took strides, major strides uh, coming into this season. I think coming out of this injury, he has an opportunity to finish this season strong and really ride that momentum into next year and, and really put himself in position to carry the team uh, more so than I think our run game has really done that more so this year. Um, especially in games where he's out. But Quinn really has an opportunity to, to to blow up going into next season. So if you look around the room, this is the right decision. It's just we, 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 we once we're all on board with it, I'm really excited about the momentum he's going to take into the next uh, to the next season. Hi, Drew. We got one more viewer question for you real quick. And if uh, I can find it here, I just lost it. Uh, oh, gosh. I, I literally just had it. Sorry about that. Oh, here we go. Bobby Petronic. And he says, do you feel we have a disconnect between our fronts and our coverages? Are we situationally tone deaf at times? <laughs> Those are two separate questions that deserve two separate answers. Um, so do I feel like we have a disconnect between our fronts and our coverages? No, no, I do not. I think for the most part, um, we do not. I think we're in sync. I think the way we've been able to get sacks this year have been coverage sacks. Um, the way we've been able to get interceptions have been because of pressure. Uh, so we've been playing really good complimentary football from the front end to the back end of the defense. Um, I, I think the linebackers have been solid as well in coverage. Um, at, when it comes to situationally, it depends on the situation. Uh, on a, from a goal line perspective, I think we've been solid between coverage and, and you know, there's some opportunities or some things that I wish we could have back. You think OU game. Um, there was an opportunity against was it TCU or BYU where I, 
I think in gold line, in red zone, we gave up a passing touchdown, but for the most part, we've been great there. It's when we get in that two-minute hurry-up defense where um, where a team can get you on skates. Uh, they, they're breaking trends. They're switching personnel. You're rotating guys in and out. You're trying to sort through everything. Um, that's something that, that we need to rep. That's something that I think we got to take into the offseason. That's something that I think we need to address uh, going into the offseason. What's funny is if you're practicing against a team that uses those types of schemes, meaning if Texas did a hurry up, no huddle offense, we'd get more reps of that. So when you are getting your reps in practice, uh, you know, you have to be very, very specific or you have to emphasize that that being a point of focus on something that you want to develop or get better with, uh, whether you dumb down or simplify the calls during those instances or you just have a universal personnel package that you just know. Um, you can bend but not break, or you can play the run well, or you can play quarterback. Like you can do various things in. And so at some point you got to simplify things, get the package you need out there and be able to line up and play confident. You do not want your guys running around trying to figure out where they're aligned and assess the play uh, from a pre-snap perspective while not being set and locked in and knowing exactly what they need to do. So uh, I think this is more an off-season off fix than it is anything else. And uh, yeah, it's just it is what it is for now. Jerry, anything else? No, hey, look, Drew always covers it all, man. So uh, we'll uh, it'll be a big day in Ames, a big night in Ames. I think weather should be right, forties, mid forties kickoff. Uh, no, not a chance of precipitation right now. So Drew, we look forward to uh, talking with you again Saturday after the game. Looking forward to it. Let's go get it this week. Thank you, Drew. Thanks, guys. Uh, Drew Kelson, everybody. Awesome. I'm a Longhorn. Yes, always great to have him on. All right, Jerry, we got more super chats, so we got to jump okay. right into them. Antonio Harris says, How deep in California does Texas recruit? There's a freshman quarterback that's playing varsity that knocked off a five star to Alabama, then Granite Hills High. You look, I mean, I think, uh, if there's a young quarterback in California, Texas is going to know about him. Um, so uh, there's a, you know, Sark is very dialed in and has tons of connections uh, on the West Coast in, in California. So uh, if there's a young one that's a really good player, I guarantee you Sark knows about him. And I can almost guarantee he'll be to camp at some point at Texas in the next year or two. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. <laughs> Mike was muted. What's the possibility that JT Sanders returns for next year from Lee Barton? I I haven't heard anything um, 
positive in that regard, like we've heard on Quinn. Um, so the, even the po- the positive probability possibility. So, um, yeah, no, I, th- I think JT is a uh, pretty good bet right now to head off to the NFL. Agreed. And then one more super chat, this one from Texas Tuta. Thank you, Texas. And he says, Cedric Baxter seems to not work through contact very well and goes down pretty quick, but he's great on blitz pickups, though. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I'm not sure how many carries we've seen him 100% healthy this year, which is kind of sad for Texas fans. Um, but I, I'll say this. I said this coming out of high school with him is he is a typical state of Florida kid that's raw physically. Drew talked about how, what he looks like physically. And I want to add to that. He didn't He didn't even come out of Texas with the Texas high school weight programs, right? The state of Texas is set up perfectly for a high school football player and their developmental process from coaching um, uh, down to the athletic periods every day. You don't really have that in Florida. Um, so he, he this is a big offseason for him. Even though he was in in the spring, he went through the summer. This next spring and summer, I think you're going to see a totally different guy physically um, as far as adding, continuing to add strength to his frame. I think he's going to be a guy that's 6'1 and a half, 230, 232 pounds. He kind of, he's always somewhat remind me of Larry Johnson, old Penn State, uh, Kansas City Chiefs running back as far as that goes frame. Uh, so we'll see where he goes. I do think one of the things that he showed early on or got after spring in the fall camp was keeping your eyes up on contact. I think now the next piece of that is, uh, Bobby's mentioned it, you mentioned it, pick those feet up a little quicker from time to time. Set yourself up a little bit quicker uh, to when you get to that second defender that you're ready to break second tackle as well and start maximizing more runs. Here's an interesting question from Chuck, and he says, if Quinn does come back, what effect do you think it will have in the wide receiver portal recruitment? Well, I mean, I don't – I think Texas – as long as Sark's at Texas, they're going to recruit really good wide receivers, right? I think it comes down to fit. I mean, it really comes down to fit. I don't think – I think one thing we know from Sark so far at Texas is he's not just assembling talent. He's trying to build a team. Uh, and and you build a culture when you build a team. So I think Texas is go run out and – with NIL, get three really good receivers, but I'm not sure they're all three going to be the right fits. And there's some young talent. I mean, the slot position is going to be really good at Texas. DeAndre Moore, Ryan Nibble, John Day Cook could play anywhere. Um, so I think they're going to go out, and Ryan Wingo coming in as a midterm guy, by the way. I think they'll go out, um, and I think it'll impress guys if that does come to fruition. But I think what impresses more is A.D. Mitchell transferring in and probably going to be a second-round draft pick. He, he has he played at Georgia and won two national titles. Now he had an injury plague sophomore year, so I don't want to count this as a negative against Georgia. But he went from being a good role player at Georgia to being a potential, what, second-team All-Big 12-level player and a guy who's looked at as a fringe first, second rounder, and all that comes down to t- testing and things. But his stock is really elevated by going to Texas this year. That's going to be the selling point for Sark. And Chris right. Jackson. And then let's talk about Iowa State for a minute. E. Kim says, Jerry, what's the best way for the Texas offense to attack the Iowa State defense? I believe that shorts and intermediate passes will be key. Yeah, I totally agree with this. I mean, look, this is the traditional three high safety. This is the most well-schooled three high safety. With also, they have good corners. TJ Tampa, 
from Tampa St. Pete. Uh, so very good corner for Iowa State with some size. I really do agree with a Kim. I, I, I think it's the short and intermediate game. I think JT Sanders in the intermediate game, this game may be built for him uh, Saturday. So I, I think he could have a big game. Obviously you want you're going to hunt those matchups. You're going to hunt the matchups with, uh, uh, with, with Xavier worthy in the quick game. And then with uh, AD Mitchell in the intermediate game. And I think Texas's strength for those three guys you know, Worthy's more of a catch-and-run receiver than he is a run-and-catch receiver, even though he does that well. A.D. Mitchell's more of a run-and-catch receiver, the great body control, especially in the intermediate game. I think the strengths of the Texas wide receiver core plus J.T. Sanders sets up well for what Texas has to do Saturday, and that's short and intermediate passing game. Uh, Jerry, this next question from Zane Petty, and Zane asks, we need Blue to help replace Jay Brooks' explosive plays. Do you think that Blue will get 10 to 15 carries with Brooks out this weekend? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he's ever been looked at as that guy. I think he's looked at as a change of pace, guy that can really get to the second level. The question I have, guys, is is Texas inside zone team? That's been the built, that's been the strength of this team running the football. That's what the running backs, uh, Brooks and Baxter, they play into that strength with Blue. It's more of an outside the tackles, get to the edges uh, type of runner. Same with Keelan Robinson. And I'm not saying Keelan's not a physical runner. They're just they're just undersized. Jalen Blue's a better space player. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how what Texas does with Blue uh, within his touches. Is it going to be inside zone, but then throw it to him on the perimeter a little bit, and that's more the outside plays with Jaden Blue? I think it'll be very interesting to see uh what texas does with blue and keelan robinson saturday and keelan practice monday and that kind of leads me to this next question here from william niece jerry he says who do you feel like is going to step up the most blue baxter keelan robinson or all of the above well i think baxter will step up i i think baxter is you know look gotta remember setter baxter is really good in pass pro that's why i brought that up to drew that's is what really pushed him ahead of uh some of those older guys in fall camp was that he, he's arguably the best pass pro running back Texas has. And that is going to be important um, on the road uh, Saturday. So, and I'm not saying Iowa State's a great pass rushing team, but you have to be sound um, in, in your pass protection. So I think J J Baxter is going to step up. Um, also, I, I kind of expect Keelan Robinson to step up being a senior. And I'm not saying blue won't get his touches, uh, but we haven't talked about Savion red either. Um, Savion Red's built more for the inside zone uh, running scheme, so we'll we'll see. I'm interested. I don't have the answer right now. I'm interested to see what Sark's going to do and how he's going to let those three guys work in how this is going to play out. And then Zach wants to know your thoughts on running jet sweeps with Jordan Whittington. Jordan, I don't. Think, I, I think he's got. I don't think his toes healthy. I, I think that's part of the issue. I think he is a warrior out on the field now. I mean, he has given it his all, obviously, and it's so so many of the same things that Roshan did in a different way. He get he brings to Texas. Uh, I'm not sure his health is 100 percent right now. I think he's had a little bit of a toe issue. Uh, so I think if you're going to do that, you're going to do that. Uh, you would do that more, Xavier Worthy. And we've been talking about the running backs, obviously. Chris Young says, "How good is the Iowa State against the run?" And then you kind of already answered the uh, second part of that question about the mid-range passing game. I, you know, they're ranked top third in the country against the run. I don't think they're a great run defense. I, they're not as talented up front 
as Matt Campbell's best teams were. Obviously, they've had a couple of guys that have had to exit the program. Uh, they're not as talented up front, uh, but I think they're going to be so sound. They were probably not quite as good at out, as out at outside linebacker, but they're they're going to be so sound in what they do. They put a lot of pressure on your offensive line to execute plays. Um, and that's going to be the key is if Texas executes at a high level, I think they'll have enough success running the football. I'm not expecting Texas to go out and run for 200 yards in this game. I'll say that. If Texans can get to 125, 130, 135 yards rushing the football uh, without Jonathan Brooks, I, I, I think it's going to be a good, pretty good night for the Texas offense or for the run game. Uh, because I, I kind of think this is going to be a low-scoring game, guys. And then Drew Young says, "Do you see? Do you think that they will go more spread offense?" Um, you know, it, it, it's hard for me. I think we, you know, kind of like Drew said, kind of like Rod said, Texas is who they are right at this point. They are who they are, right? Um, so I, I don't know about that. I think Texas is going to try to have to get a little more help in this run game. Uh, do you see more Malik Ogbo in this game? Um, we'll see. Uh, more two tight ends or regular uh, as many uh, percentage of two tight end sets. I, I'll be surprised if we see uh, more spread offense from Texas. All right, Jesse Ullman says, Jerry, would we be able to find success moving the ball if we stopped running like Kansas State did? Um, I'm not sure I totally understand what he's getting at with that question, guys. We'll let Jesse go a little bit more in depth and we'll come back to that one. How about that? All right, here we go. Uh, this Somebody, one. Stephen Houston, yes, a slightly more talented Wyoming uh, in terms of Iowa State. I, I give him credit for that. I think that's uh, um, I, I think I think that's somewhat accurate. Uh, Ashton Holloman says, Jared Dog, Texas ran for 230 against Kansas State and the run defense is better than Iowa State. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think. Uh, look, I think if Texas was fully healthy at running back, I think they, I think they'd go have a really good night. I, I think the end, it's just the timing. It's the timing of Jonathan Brooks's injury. Obviously, he was the leader for the Doak Walker Award. Also, what he was doing in the passing game. Um, so I think it's, it's good. It could be tough there because you're asking Baxter to take on more of a role, and he's not really. He hasn't been healthy enough. He had 18 carries last week, but he hasn't been healthy enough to take a 23, 24 carry night. But then you're going to bring bringing in. Red for the most action he's ever he's ever seen at running back. Blue for the most action he's seen in a game. Or Robinson since the bowl game last year. So they're, they're, these guys haven't played that much uh, at the running back position for me. So I, I just kind of – I kind of question if Texas – if Texas gets to 225, 230, if they get over 200 yards rushing Saturday, uh, I'll be extremely impressed. That means the offensive line was moving people in the run game. All right, Phil McIntosh says, any idea on if we'll see an offensive line formation that includes Neto and Williams? I get that Christian Jones is the upperclassman, but I believe he actually had more penalties than Cam did. No, I think, look, I th I'm looking forward to seeing how much Neto pushes in the spring. Uh, Cam Williams, I don't think they're going to mess with him. They're trying to get him ready to be the right tackle at Texas uh, and be ready to step in. I think Brandon Baker will come in and give him competition. Uh, but look, I, I, I think that Christian uh, Cam Williams practices at right tackle all but one day. Then he practices at left tackle. His, these practice, this practice time is so key for his development. I just I don't think Texas is really going to mess with that because he has to step into a starter's role next year unless Brandon Baker is a special freshman at right tackle. 
I, uh, Jerry Jesse Ullman kind of came back. He said Kansas State abandoned the run game. If Baxter went down, could we move the ball and still okay, win the passing game alone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have that answer. I, I think that's a tougher one. Texas has to be able to run the football enough, uh, especially against the three high look, because if you don't run the football effectively against the three high, um, that puts a lot of pressure on your perimeter guys and your quarterback. Uh, the best way to beat the three highs and make them declare on one side, as Rod's talked about, Mike Gundy did that successfully uh, against the three high at times with a trip set or a bunch set. Um, I, so I, I think you have, but he came back to the run game. He made him declare and work back to the run game. I think you have to run the football enough Saturday in Ames or uh, Texas could have a tough game. Uh, Jay Lee with the super chat. Thank you, Jay. And he says, do you believe that offensive lines block differently or harder for some running backs than others? I think differently. Yes. I mean, look, it, not Texas running backs, but you know, the old, the old, uh, the old comparisons of Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith, right? I mean, if you were, if you were a Detroit offensive lineman, man, you had to stay on your blocks. You know, you never knew where Barry was coming back to, right? I mean, Bijan, that was a great thing about Bijan last year um, is, you know, Texas at the college level didn't have to execute blocks for as long. And Bijan could, was so violent, could make a couple people miss and he's out the gate and he gets a first down. With Jonathan Brooks said Baxter, Texas has to, they have to hold those blocks a split second longer uh, to let those plays develop for especially the patience of Jonathan Brooks. The patience of the runner does kind of force your offensive lineman to hold that block for that extra split second longer. And Archmania says, Sark seems a bit pissed off this week. Is that a good thing? Um, I think, look, I thought his, his press conference was interesting. I mean, he – he, he, you know, he said, well, maybe we need to be more aggressive with our play calls. We got to be more aggressive uh, populating the football. I mean, I, I think he knows, look, every week you win, there's more on the line for this team. He knows he's two wins away uh, from having a chance to have Brett Mar your mark, hand him that big 12 tro trophy <laughs> on the way out the door to the SEC. Uh, so, yeah, I think everything's amped up this week. I think Sark is trying to push as hard as he can. Uh, every position, all his coaches. Um, so I, I think he's, I'm not sure he's pissed off. I think he's really, really motivated, but I, I do think in his press conference that he, he mentioned not aggressive enough on play calls, not aggressive enough populating the ball. I thought I found that interesting. Hey, Jerry, speaking of interesting, I found this interesting because I didn't even realize it until Buddy Powell, Chief Big Guy, just said it. But he says this is the first game Texas has played outside the state since Tuscaloosa. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, there there you go. I mean, Texas is uh, – one thing we knew going into the season, they had a very favorable schedule. And that has kind of fallen in place because you had Kansas, you had Kansas State at home, right? Obviously, your road game, the Baylor. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's the first uh, – it's the first uh, trip out of state uh, since Tuscaloosa. It's a great point. All right. This next question from Chris Rodriguez. He says, do we have anybody to replace our interior D-line for next year? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think uh, Sadir Mitchell is going to come along. I think Dre Bledsoe has got a really bright future. He's just got to – these guys just have to keep working to develop and maximize their talent. I mean, that's the biggest thing right now for these guys. True Carter – Finally getting healthier, right? He had his first sack, I believe, Saturday night. 
He's going to be a quality player against the run. DeAndre Robinson, Alex January, uh, midterm guys. I think those guys, um, you know, Alex January is coming in from a really good program, and he's going to play over the ball. Uh, so I think that is a good spot for him to come into. We'll see how fast uh, DeAndre Robinson can develop. But I'll say this, even though you say, oh, he's 6'4", 303, it's Lissetter Baxter now. He looks really good, but he's not even close to where he's going to be physically. And I think Texas will add a little bit in the portal. Vernon Broughton comes back. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to be okay. I, I, you know, look, I think uh, uh, they're they're going to be maybe a more of a pass rushing unit versus a run stuffing unit, depending on who they get out of the portal. All right, Jerry. Bobby Vitronic wants to know who does Sadir Mitchell profile as? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, there's there's not a lot of guys that are 6'6, 340 uh, that are that quick first, second step. He's got to develop his pass rush uh, to be the player he wants to be. Um, I, I don't know. Somebody might be able to bring up some names on that. I've thought about that before. I'm not sure I really have a player that he profiles as. He's so different from a body type. Bobby Brown wants to know what your thoughts are on Iowa State's quarterback. You know, uh, Rocco Beck out of the Tampa area in Florida, uh, playing a lot a year earlier, two years earlier than expected. He's grown up a little bit. I think he's a functional athlete at the quarterback position. Um, I think, look, he's a young quarterback, so you can get enough pressure on him. He's done seven interceptions this year. Uh, but he's he's come on and played better ball of late. I think the feet are moving quicker. He's starting to – uh, the game's starting to slow down a little bit for him. Uh, but, look, his his strength, to me, is going to be short than deep. I, I think if you can get him a lot in the intermediate game, if you're in uh, attached coverage, you have a chance if you can get some pressure in his face. All right, let's take some more recruiting questions, Jerry, because we've had a few more of those since last time. And let's start with Antoine. He says, Jerry, will we, all, will we go all in on Tiger now since no Harlem Barry most likely? Go check out 26 running back Jet Walker from Lampasas. He's 6'1", 202 pounds, and runs a 4.5340. I've heard that name. I'll go watch some Lampasas huddle for sure. Thank you, Antoine, and thanks for all the recruiting questions, by the way. Uh, we'll see. I think Texas recruiting Tiger ridden. Uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, they're they're going to continue to evaluate that running back position, obviously not just in-state, but nationally. you got to remember, since the short choice has been there, I mean, Cedric Baxter, out-of-state running back. Jarrett Gibson, out-of-state running back. Christian Clark, out-of-state running back. Trey Wisner was the in-state running back uh, that committed 2025 right now. Jordan Davis and Harlan Berry, their top two, they're both out-of-state. So uh, we'll see if Texas finds an in-state running back they really like. Um, and it'd probably have to be a guy that complements styles in a certain way to Jordan Davis and if they continue to lead for Davis and who really fits the inside zone scheme. And then this next recruiting question is from Zachary Delgado. And Zachary says, hey, guys, are the Longhorns in on Dorian Brew? The Longhorns are uh, recruiting. Uh, they know about Dorian Brew. Obviously, he's the corner uh, athlete from Ohio that moved into Conroe High, highly ranked kid, top 50 in the country. Texas certainly knows about him. Uh, I, he's, I believe he's been on campus for a game this year. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, Texas is evaluating and likes. Right, and then Antoine has another recruiting question for you. He says, have you seen the 26 quarterback off from Austin Regents, Quinn Murphy? And then I've seen him, but I was going through huddle and I saw the name and just chuckled when I went to Austin Regents huddle. I've not seen him in person, but the name did make me laugh. By the way, by the way, I was talking to somebody uh, at McKinney. They played Flyer Mound Marcus in the playoffs in the first round and beat him. 
Nussmeyer, the next Nussmeyer coming out of Marcus is a freshman quarterback that played a lot in that game. And the McKinney staff thinks he's got a chance to be really, really, really good. So remember, uh, Coach Nussmeyer's kid, freshman, I believe he's a lefty at Flower Mound, Marcus. He's got a chance to be a big-time dude, apparently. All right. And then we've had a lot of questions, you know, with the whole Quinn news uh, possibly coming back about K.J. Lacey. So Ski Breck says, K.J. Lacey decommits if Quinn stays, right? What are your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, I think let's let's see what Quinn ultimately does. Um, I'm not. I don't know if he decommits. Um, you know, KJ picked Texas for all the the right reasons. I mean, look, it's the scheme, it's the Sark's resume. Um, I I think once he he got down to the program and actually saw everything, he really liked the way the program was run. His parents checked off on that. Uh, so let's see what happens on that. I mean, there's a long way to go. Um, um, and 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 I'll I'll, I'll be down in Saraline soon, and I'll talk to KJ. And a quick one here from Archmania. Is Wingo an early enrollee? Uh, yes, Ryan Wingo is an early enrollee. By, and by the way, Wardell Mack, the last Texas commitment, is an early enrollee as well. Texas has 12 early enrollees of the 20 commitments. Uh, one right. that's not is Trey Owens, the quarterback. Ashton Holloman trying to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask you a more broad question. He says, Jared Dog, who's the next recruit? But who are some of the next kids that you could see committing to Texas? We're talking football, right? Um, <laughs> um, uh, all right, uh, football. I mean, look, next commit, uh, we'll, we'll see on that. We'll see how hard Texas pushes for Solomon Williams in the last couple of weeks. Does Texas actually – are they going to push enough for that third edge in this class, right? I mean, you know, some of the guys that are committed, if you're going to get those guys on campus, the high school playoffs is playing a big fact, uh, part in this right now. You know, Texas would love to take advantage right now and get Ty Anthony Smith on campus. Jasper's playing Waco Connolly Friday in the playoffs. If they win, obviously they'll have a game next week. I, I think Jasper may be slightly favored because Waco Connolly's a uh, kind of an injured football team right now. They have some issues going on with injury. Uh, but you look at McKinney, Xavier feel same. They're playing Highland Park Friday. If they win, they could turn around and play another game, even either next Friday or Saturday. So those are some of the issues that uh, you have to work around in recruiting which I think really makes not the weekend December visits, those one day come down with your family unofficial visits that first week in December are going to be pretty big, I think, uh, for Texas and recruiting. All right, Jerry, we got time for just a couple more, and then I want to go back to what we touched on at the very beginning because we've had a lot of people asking about that. Uh, but this first question here from Rudy O, he says, do the moves at Mississippi State and Texas A&M impact Florida if Napier doesn't win again this year? You know, I don't know about Mississippi State, but A&M absolutely could. Um, you know, I, I don't I, I don't think I think Billy Napier is, is OK uh, going the next year. I don't think they're going to make a, a move after year two. Um, I think that people really like Billy at Florida. Um, it's just, man, that, that Arkansas one hit. That Arkansas loss hit. Um, if they go five and seven, the problem for him is, does he make it the year four? And it would be hard to see it right now. When you look at their 24 schedule, I've said it before, I think Florida is going to have the toughest uh, schedule in the country next year. When you consider they playing Miami, Florida State, and UCF non-league, then you add Texas into your SEC schedule, and that's a road game, along with Georgia and everybody else they play, a and Ole Miss. Uh, Florida's got, uh, Billy's got a tough, road ahead of him in 2024. 
And then uh, we've had lots of questions about Dominic McKinley. Of course, Chris Young says, is he still solid to A&M? Do you think there's any way that Texas could flip him? And I know you've touched on this a lot here lately, but uh, run it down for everybody in case they've missed it. Yeah, look, he hasn't reached out to Texas since the uh, news of the uh, firing so, uh, uh, of Jimbo Fisher, from what I hear. Um, uh, by the way, if people have asked about Terrence Hibbler, committed to Mississippi State, the D lineman who officially visited Texas, who's having a monster senior. He hasn't reached out to Texas either, from what I hear, since uh, – uh, since the uh, firing of, uh, at Mississippi State yesterday. So we'll see. I think Elijah Robinson, whether he's retained or not, how quickly AM makes a hire, who that hire is, I think could impact Dominic McKinley. I, so we'll see what happens. But right now, Dominic McKinley's not aggressively talking to Texas. That's maybe not, I mean, Ty Anthony Smith has more communication with Texas than Dominic McKinley does. All right, Jerry, this next question from Hideaway MGA. How good can this team be next year in the SEC if Quinn returns? What are your expectations? Man, that's that's such a tough question. I love the young talent in the program. I, I freshman class, I think, is tremendous. I think the 2022 class, that offensive line class, is coming along. I think the Ethan Burke, I think there's some really good development going on in that class with guys like Dre Bledsoe, Jamon Tapp. That linebacker class in 23 is really going to have to start hitting next year. You know, Leona LaFowle's got some time. Uh, they redshirt Samaje Burrell, Darian Gillette. Obviously, you have Billy Walton and Vosick, the young edges redshirting. Um, you have Warren Roberson, young DB redshirting that they really like. So I think it's going to – I like the classes. So the key is going to be the portal. You, how many of the guys are you going to – can you replace that you're going to lose to the NFL draft with not the same level players, but maybe comparable players. I, I think that's going to be so interesting to see, but I'll say this, Texas is going to be attractive to players in the portal because guys that are having success. I mean, when you th look at guys who have transferred in the success they've had, you know, just AD Mitchell at receiver, we've talked about that Quinn at quarterback, right? I mean, you can go down the line. Uh, there's a, uh, there's been some guys that have been very successful. Texas is going to have to get a punter in the portal, guys. I don't know if they want to turn it over to a talented freshman from St. Thomas Aquinas yet. All right, Jerry, uh, we have a super chat real quick from Antonio Harris. Thank you, Antonio. He says, heading to the SEC, having Brooks and Quinn would be good. Would be good. It would be interesting to see on Jonathan Brooks when he would have make a return to the field. I mean, we're talking about a – uh, early November knee injury, ACL injury. He's going to have to have surgery. Uh, being a running back, what does that timeline look, look like? I mean, look, there's some really fast healers, and then there's some guys like Dylan DeSue who are not fast healers. Um, so we'll, we're going to have to see how quickly he heals after surgery and how when he can impact Texas again. You know, earlier we were talking about running backs this weekend, who you think may make an impact. Archmania says, do you think that there's any chance that Trey Wisner gets some carries based on his special teams contributions? That would surprise me on the road, having just, what, two or three carries in his career. I think that would surprise me. I Look, when, when Bijan and Roshan didn't play last year, they went to Keelan Robinson and Jonathan Brooks. I, I think Keelan Robinson, since he practiced Monday, if he's on the right track, will get some time. I'm very – and I think Blue will get some time. I'm very interested to see Savion Red. Uh, because he does run the ball in between the tackles. He's an inside zone type of guy. He fits what they do. Um, you know, that 15-yard penalty he got, I, I don't know where, you know, he's doing up-downs or what's going on here uh, But uh, this week. But it, I'm interested to see what if Savion Red gets some chances because I think Texas knows they have to run it 
in between the tackles well enough to set up the passing game that Sark wants to. All right, Jerry, we'll go two more. Uh, first one from Jesse Ullman, a recruiting question. Solomon Williams, what ended up happening? What's the latest? Well, we'll see how hard Texas pushes on that. I mean, look, with, with Colin Simmons and Zine already in the class, um, I think it really comes down to does Texas want to add a third high school edge prospect, um, or are they really happy with their younger guys? Uh, plus, Colin and Zine are both midterm enrollees. If you look at that, you have Ethan Burke, Baron Sorrell expected back. Uh, you have Jamon Tapp. You have Justice Finkley. Um, so you have you, you lost Chris Ross, obviously, but you're starting to build a little depth in numbers there um, with some talented young guys who ha you haven't seen this year, Colton Vosick, Billy Walton. Then you have Colin and Zena coming in, as I mentioned. So uh, we'll see if Texas makes a push there or if they think the extra DB maybe is more important in this class. Maybe if there's a linebacker flip that comes into play, is that more important? Uh, but it's all timing with these decisions. All right, then last question for today, Jerry. It's from Ski Break. He wants you to call your shot. Who wins the Heisman? Oh, gosh, what a tough year to pick that. I mean, <laughs> um, that is that is it is a tough year to pick that award. I'm look, um, I'll go with University of Washington if he has two good games in the regular season. There you go. All right. Well, Jerry, real quick before we get out of here, of course, the big news this morning from Bobby Burton put out an article on Inside Texas. For those that are just joining us, kind of rehash that for people um, and let them know why we've been talking about Quinn Ewers so much this morning. Yeah, I think uh, Bobby, uh, his um, uh, his story on Inside Texas is uh, he he mentions uh, coming back as a third year quarterback, how important that is in a quarterback's development. Uh, another year of strength uh, training for for Quinn. Another year of being a leader at a Power Five, a Blue Blood program, were things that uh, you know talking to a source that he kind of uh, hit on in that article. And so, uh, yeah, well, we shall see what happens. I muted. There we go. All right, y'all. Well, we want to thank all of you for tuning in this morning and joining us right here on Coffee and Football on On Texas Football. Thank you for all the super chats. Jerry, do you know, I know Bobby will be back tomorrow, but do you know what we have coming down later today on, on Texas football in even over on inside Texas? Yeah. I mean, look, we're going to Justin Williams and uh, Justin Williams, <laughs> Justin Wells and I will get together and talk Justin Williams and other guys on the recruiting breakdown coming up this afternoon. We have Longhorn live stream tonight at seven. Uh, Rod Babers will be talking Texas, Iowa state tonight at seven and a, uh, uh, I believe Aaron Hogan will host that, and either myself or Justin Wells uh, will be there. So, um, uh, we'll, but we'll be talking all recruiting. I'm on the road a little bit today, hitting some schools uh, before the uh, uh, Longhorn live stream tonight. But uh, head on over to Inside Texas on Texas Football. We got you covered. There you go, and you can use promo code OTFIT23. You get a dollar for two or two months for a dollar. You got to select the monthly offer, new members only. And uh, again, thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time a new video is posted or when we go live. And for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Yeah, hook them. Thank you, guys. Thanks for everybody for, uh, for joining and all the questions.